0: He's a good-looking boy. Mom! Dad! Come back! We are not gonna let some orphan boy and his ancestors win this parents' weekend, thing.
1: But I thought you said it was just for kids with actual parents. <laughs> yeah, but for me, that means you and Grandma. I can't wait to find out what actually happened. I'm so
0: glad that we found it. It's great to hear all these stories. it. <laughs>
2: welcome to splat attack a 90s podcast honoring the slime filled past i'm your football head with a heart of gold brett
1: i'm your mystical green eyed tribal chief alex and brett yes alex What uncharted territories will we venture through in the jungle today? Are we doing another Hidden Temple episode?
2: Surprisingly, we're not. At least, not yet. We're going on a very special, very personal, multifaceted trek through Arnold's childhood to uncover the origin story of his biological parents. Just where the heck were they all this time during the first four seasons? There's no doubt that we may end up doing some soul searching and shed a few tears along the way, as our topic is very near and dear not only to Harold fans, but to myself as well. And of course, to uh, Craig Bartlett, creator of the show. Speaking of which, uh, who's meeting us to the entrance of the village of the Green Eyes, Alex? Is that Eduardo, our jungle guide? Or well, perhaps it might be La Sombra,
1: looking for La Corazon.
2: Stand down, Alex. It's, you don't have to worry about that. It's, he's just our guest. The legend okay. himself, Craig Bartlett, emerging oh. from the jungle. Welcome to our <laughs> show, Craig. It's truly Hi, an uh... honor to have you here today to talk with us about this uh, collection of connected Hey Arnold stories.
0: Oh, my pleasure.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got me, not, not a sombra yeah very
1: happy he sees fibs he lies a lot
2: i noticed he wears a fake mustache too so i am yeah, pretty bad. sure you don't have that or it could be a beard it? It, could be, it could be it could be a unibrow right. it could be a happy. a, a <laughs> I, I love that bit by the way of
0: course that gave me joy
2: yeah well um we certainly have a lot of ground to cover today because we are talking not only about the jungle movie but also the two-part journal episodes and parents day to just kind of cover this whole overarching story arc with Arnold and his parents and the whole background behind that. So, um, you know, I want this to just be as natural as possible. You can start wherever you'd like. Um, Before we get uh, really into
1: the conversation, because it is worth mentioning that we want to give a special shout out to Julian Hester from What's In My Head podcast, also judged in our Field Trip versus Pigeon Man episode. Thanks to him, (laughs) thanks to him, we were able to get this connection with Craig and make this episode happen. So thank you, Julian, and thank you, Craig, for being here. Yes. Thanks, Julian.
2: Yeah, I also listened to that episode where you did the interview with him multiple times, so that's what inspired me to connect with him as well. You know, it's a small world, six degrees of separation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Brett,
1: I know the that Hang Arnold is is one of your favorites, so I'm gonna mm-hmm. let you take most of this. Uh I don't wanna get between I it's like it's like, are you afraid of the dark and legends? These are your big, big ones. So yeah, I'll, I'll step back. I'll let you take the
2: lead. So start with, your, start with your questions. Sounds good. Um, well, I, I'm very curious to know, what what was the inspiration for you developing the background of Arnold and his character? Was it something that you had in mind since the very beginning of the show? Or did it come to you during your journey of uh, producing Hey Arnold?
0: It was, it's really cool because I was kind of forced into it. When I saw Hey Arnold, I was very glib to uh, Mary Harrington at Nickelodeon and then to all the other Nickelodeon execs that I spoke to. I was like, yeah, it'd be kind of fun if he was raised by his grandparents in their boarding house uh, and the parents are just gone. And, uh, you know, like, like when I first pitched it, they're busy. They're like, you know, you know uh, making nature docs on another continent and they're, they're kind of do-gooders, but... That was my very glib description of Arnold's parents. And then we made 60 episodes, the first three seasons, 20 a year for three years, and, and uh, just a glancing couple mentions of his parents ever, or that he had no, that mom and dad weren't around or anything. And uh, that seemed, then I felt bad for him. I felt like this isn't, you know, if this was really happening to this really good guy, Arnold's such a good soul. You want to believe that he comes from really great parents. And I thought, this they don't seem to be great parents. So what am I going to do? I can't have this kind of like he gets a postcard from them once in a while and they're really out of touch. That's really not not going to work. So then it was in about the beginning of season 3, you know, 3 years into making this, that I started to really deal with it. And I I said to the writers, you know, I think I I think I have to uh do is I would have to introduce the audience to Arnold's parents and you know what's that going to be and uh, really starting from scratch after two years of kids comments now you know this is the mid 90s and so the, the internet was in its infancy and there was very little also kids 6 to 11 are not the ones on social media even though it kind of didn't exist yet but you know as such, such as it was you'd get these sort of telegrams from these nine and ten-year-olds so like where are Arnold's parents? You know, why is Helga mean? You know, those were the, I, you know, there were just a, what's his last name? Those were the kind of, uh, questions that would come from kids in really short little, little, uh, messages. And I was like, man, we've got to deal with this. So I went to work on it. Uh, I, um, when, when I was doing it, uh, Antoinette Stella was one of our, uh, our writers and she, I said, I think I'd like to, I'd like to make it a half hour and get somebody to write this with me. And she was really excited to take this on. And so the two of us uh, worked out the the plot, the the idea that there would be a parents' day, and that Arnold was uh, feeling bad because his, he didn't have his parents. And then he, then then I thought it'd be funny if Grandpa was, uh, had been telling him bedtime stories since his, since he was an infant. Since, since Grandpa and Grandma took over parenting Arnold, you know, which was, as you, as you know from the story, it was quite, quite a surprise. In really short notice, uh, Mom and Dad take off on this trip to this humanitarian cause, you know, to save these people who are dying off. And by then we find out they're doctors. And, and, but Grandpa's been telling stories since uh, since they left and, uh, and from Arnold being a little toddler till now, and you know, Grandpa's a kind of a wit, and kind of a—he's <laughs> a raconteur. And so, so you know, Grandpa naturally embellished these stories. And he, like he says, he mixed in some of his own experiences. Like that's where you know the flying circus. You know, <laughs> you're like, what, Grandpa? With Grandpa and Grandma in a circus? And you don't know. I mean, he—he keeps telling these tall tales, and he keeps uh, wanting to fall back into, uh, you know, kind of embellishing the story. And Arnold. Yeah, I want it straight this time. So that was what we landed on. That let's do that. You know, Arnold is bummed out and doesn't want to go to Parents Day. He gets home at the, after the first day and tells, you know, Big Bob uh, he totally humiliates him and calls him an orphan boy. And uh, He comes home bummed out, which I love. Any really good Arnold story has Arnold bummed out and, and needing needing to kind of like write something, you know, write right or wrong or make something okay. And so it was another opportunity for uh, grandpa and grandma to sober up and and get straight with him. There's very few times when grandma seems truly lucid and when Arnold goes upstairs, she you can see her go, well, what are, you, what are we going to do about this Phil? Which is really cool. I, I think that's fun for the audience too because she's such a, they're both such kind of goofs at uh, you know that you know this is serious and also by the time you know the 60 shows in when we made Parents Day uh, you know we knew what our superpower was it was to make the kids feel you know that do something emotional generally kind of sad and uh, you know we had I had Jim's Jim Lang's incredible music at my disposal and so you know I said let's get really epic with this. So we made parents day and uh, everybody, you know, all the crew loved it. Everybody was on board. You know, it was a half hour special and it was at the end of of season three. So that always meant we could put the whole crew on it. The last episode of the order. And so everybody was involved. We all really were excited and we love this mythology. And it's so fun to create a whole, you know, mythology. And so it had all those funny, you know, jungle tropes and I don't know exotic wildlife and palm trees and you know and I have to say too that the, their little their little biplane that they fly was straight out of the English Patient. I don't know if you're fans of that particular film. I, the English Patient that's a mid 90s. I mean, a it's a late 90s film, no doubt. I, I'd probably just seen it that year and I was like, oh man, let's have let's have his parents like fly off into the clouds in a biplane. Joe Purdy, who didn't write on the on the parents' day, was was saying, "What the hell, man? You're sending his parents away in some rickety biplane? What are you doing?" <laughs> Everybody was everyone, We when we finished it and looked at it, we were like, "Uh oh, it's even sadder than before." You know, like <laughs> we introduced <laughs> we introduce the the parents to Arnold and then have them fly away, a la English patient. And uh, it doesn't look good. The prognosis doesn't look good. It looks like his parents flew away and, and probably died. And so uh, that was where, that's where it was at the end of Parents' Day. And so, uh, you know, that was in the, oh, was the, end of, the end of season three. That would have been the end of 97. I would have written and recorded that. It didn't come out for a while. Nickelodeon hung on to it with some, kind of vague idea about, uh, like, maybe, I think they, maybe their idea was to release it to just get, you know, get people involved before we made the Jungle movie, which was going to be our uh, first feature film, the first Arnold movie. And that was very much how uh, Nickelodeon worked. They were like, okay, we've got 100 episodes, the show's popular, has a lot of viewers, that means we have enough that we could just bank these and kind of rerun them. And in the meantime, we should, we should elevate Hey Arnold into the next level of franchise, which is movies. And, uh, but unfortunately it, it, uh, you know, it looked like Arnold, the, the first Arnold movie that they released was the, what was, uh, Arnold saves the neighborhood. And, uh, uh, instead of, cause we were developing the jungle movie and they, they were like, well, this thing's ready to go. Let's put it out. And since it didn't perform, like, you know, make the kind of money that they needed it to they were like, ah, maybe Arnold's not big enough to be, you know, franchise. Maybe it's just like a hundred episodes, and thank you very much. And so that's that's kind of wh- where it stood when when uh, the first movie came out in about two thousand two. As far as they were concerned, we were done. It was like that was we, we gave it a shot, and that's what happened. Um, the and but it was to me, it was like you know, just as a creative person with a a, a series that meant a huge amount to me. It was a a very frustrating way for things to end up. I had hundred half hours, and a a movie that didn't—you know—he saves the neighborhood, but it didn't—you know—take you to the next level. And to make matters worse, while we were uh, waiting to kind of find out what's going to happen, our crew was all going to be—you know—run out and 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 let go. They said, "Okay, uh, make—we'll order three more half hours just to keep the crew on." for a few more months and it'll be one special the the April Fool's special and the journal and they said yeah make it a prequel to help the audience you know get the audience whipped up for the jungle movie and I'm like "Well, what in the jungle movie Arnold goes to find his parents his lost parents and and I was like well it would have to be like a sequel where uh, I don't know it ends up that he finds out about them and he finds a map how about that they're like okay so then we had this, this second kind of interim project, the Jungle Movie, which plays as a, a an hour of TV. So it's like a two half hour special, mm-hmm. and that was something new. And I got to tell you too, the crew was mostly gone by then. We were kind of a skeleton crew. I mean, I had mm-hmm. had Rami Muski's there. Tried, he'd been there to try to develop the Jungle Movie, and I was kind of stalling. Steve Vixton was no longer around, but he and I had made some drafts of. Uh, of the jungle movie, but in that one, the, the parents were dead. Arnold went to find them and he only finds like their tomb. And so right. I was like, no wonder, <laughs> no wonder Nickelodeon doesn't want
1: to, you know, <laughs> get
0: into some weird stuff. Yeah. Uh, but we, so we had Raimi around and we had Tuck Tucker around, my two kind of lead director guys. And, uh, you know, most of our best board people were, we Again, you know, our small crew was really our best people. And, and we were like, fine. Let's make an hour-long jungle movie. And I'll, i and I, even then, I'm like, I'll make it a dare. I'm gonna make it, it. It ends with him finding the map, and you know how it goes. He, he's like, Grandma, Grandpa, I found a map, and you like go wide, and the music goes da na, 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 na. To Like to be
2: continued. <laughs> to
0: be continued. It was very much in the kind of serial style of. Indiana Jones, you know, I, that was what we were riffing on. I just recently saw, uh, I saw the the latest Indiana Jones, but I, I i watched I watched the original, and I was just laughing, going, "God, we ripped this off so hard!" It's like the Jungle Movie, the the Journal, and the uh, the actual no, wait, what am I trying to say? Parents Day, the Journal, and Jungle Movie all get their licks from, you know. Lucas and and Spielberg and Coppola and all that, you know. That, that's the those are those are the you know the Godfathers of <laughs> we we loved you know we loved 70s movies and and we uh, we quoted them with you know no shame <laughs> and and anyway so you know, that that's how we got there we in, in a really goofy unplanned way I found myself having to come up with uh, Arnold's mythology after 60 shows because I felt bad for him and I felt bad for the audience too. I'm like this kid he's he's an unusual kid and I think it's because he's been raised by his grandparents and he's had a really alternate you know family life and there's a big hole in his heart and you don't know mm-hmm. why you kind of like it you, we learn slowly we learn come to learn what's going on and uh, you know you want he, he wants to find his lost parents and it's a uh, Good. There's you know, a lot of good material there, but uh, uh, you know, I, I felt like I kind of, I kind of had painted myself into a corner. When I finished the Parents Day special. I wanted to, I, I wanted him to. Then I'm like, God, I guess, somehow I got to have him find his parents. So, the journal ends hopefully, and then I then I was out of show. I didn't have any work at Nickelodeon for 14 years, and uh, finally, finally. Uh, you know, a new administration came in. Russell Hicks was the the, the chief when uh, when he invited me back to Nickelodeon and said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Hey, listen, uh, I'd love to make more Hey Arnold, but if we do, we got to start with a jungle movie." And he says, "What's a jungle movie?" And I go, "Oh, well, you know." And I made
2: a <laughs> I made a PowerPoint was my whole presentation. <laughs> yeah,
0: I I, made a, I did. I made a I made a PowerPoint. It was like. Arnold 101, because I knew Russell was a great guy. He, why, why would I expect him to know all the episodes? Of course, the execs never do. They don't watch the shows. It, you know, the fans know the, every episode, but the, the the you know the bosses don't. And so I, I made a, a PowerPoint for uh, Russell and somebody from uh, Paramount office. It just was like you know the kind of movie division, and I I said you know meet all the characters. Here's the main themes. You know, Helga secretly loves Arnold, but you know, then she confesses to him in the, the first Arnold movie. But, but guess what? Arnold, you know, they have to rush and save the day. And so Arnold never tells her back how he feels. And I said, you know, the, the audience out there who love the show and have now become adults and, you know, have careers of their own. And, you know, and hopefully some of them have kids and they're you know, bringing their kids up on Hey Arnold, too. They have three questions. What's his last name? How does he really feel about Helga? And where, what happened to his parents? And I said, The Jungle Movie will deliver those three things. And there was a lot, you know, that I started developing it with Steve Vixton and he kind of fell out of the picture. John Greenberg, also another write, Arnold writer, uh, worked with us on some drafts. And we made we a bunch of stuff, but then it went into hibernation for, you know, 12 to 14 years, something like that, and in which I didn't think it would ever happen again. And then when I got the chance, I thought, this is fantastic. I want to start from scratch. I want to, uh, uh, like, there's some things I want to hit. You might remember there's a, I I posted a picture that Ramey made in in 2002 or something where Brainy's holding the locket and it's got the the pasted back together picture of Arnold. That was an idea we're like totally, they'll, they will get on a cruise, they will go up a river a la Heart of Darkness and Apocalypse Now. They will. They will be uh, finally kind of like tricked and kidnapped by La Sombra. And I think, I think even the idea that he was going to pretend to be Eduardo, I think, was even in the early drafts. I can't remember. Some of the big plot points we figured out, you know, when we made the, the actual Jungle movie in 2017. But uh, uh, there were a lot of things, original things that were in there that I wanted to so, somehow, I, I would just kind of reshape the whole thing and uh, and I would deliver all those things. Arnold, Helga would have a that that scene on in the boat on top of the like crow's nest when Helga's like grabbing Arnold and going, "Come on, come on!" You know, like, I love you. What's wrong with you? And Arnold would be like, "A boat!" You know, <laughs> like, he, he's always getting an escape route. You know. And, and then I thought, you know, she's gonna make these tremendous sacrifices. The idea of the locket and that whole device was something that we, uh, Raimi and I uh, came up with in the, 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 the final version of that. I love that, I think the locket then, the fact that Helga has been carrying this locket since she was a three-year-old or whatever, she's been carrying it through her life, hiding it, Losing it, getting it back, hiding it, losing it, getting it back, um, and then carrying it to San Lorenzo, and then putting it in the machine because the real Corazon had fallen off in the, mm-hmm. into the chasm, and then her locket waking up Arnold's parents and saving the day was so you know once once we landed on that it was the group of people who worked on the 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 jungle movie script. Um, once we landed on that, I was like, oh, my God, this is great. It kind of made it had it reminded me like of a Kurt Vonnegut science fiction story or something. It had a really weird uh, the the kind of like it's kind of like something that like what are the green eyed people kind of controlling the future from They're I think they're very spiritual and they kind of have a kind of a dream state where they they, uh, you know, communicate with each other and. Kind of send, kind of coconut telegraph messages down, down the river and stuff. So I, it all seemed really like, well, wow, this is perfect, and it, and it was funny too. Like like always when I'm making a story, uh, sometimes I'll get deeply into it and go, oh man, is this just all? When this comes out, are people going to just be scratching their heads, going, what the, you know, what is this? And then people, I'll get the reward of people going, no, it was the best, and and and. Uh, God bless them, you know, for <laughs> for forgiving any any glaring plot points that are wrong or missing. And also just that having that knowledge that, you know, there's always going to be somebody who, who hates the thing. And there's always going to be somebody who's like, no, that's the best thing I've ever seen. And you have to just kind of put your stuff out there, hope for the best. And, and uh, in this case, definitely, there's like it was it was a it was a pet project for me, you know, the 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 saga of those three stories and the fact that they're they're kind of spaced far apart, you know, end of season three. Um, uh, Parents Day, end of the series, the journal, 14 years later, the jungle movie, uh, they, they have a that they have that quality of, of a of an epic that had a chance to kind of sit there and kind of brew. The fact that I had that extra 12, 13, 14 years to to think over what the Jungle movie would do, I benefited a lot. And and so it's that's an interesting little lesson, too. You know, just because you don't get what you want, you know, just because you feel like, oh, you know, I, I had my chance and now it's gone, doesn't mean that, you know, maybe things are supposed to go that way. Maybe I was supposed to... To, you know, get, become independent in my in my thinking and not really depend on anyone else. You know, everyone was gone. You know, it was just me when they when they called me back in. And so I thought, well, I, I'm going to make it go like this. You know, I'm going to I'm going to dare to be really cartoony and wake up his parents and bring them back.
1: Do you think the story overall would have been different if you made it considerably sooner?
0: yeah i do i do i i I like this version better than the drafts that we were doing what steve and i were doing and like i say steve steve was he was he was that kind of a guy he was a stubborn guy who would go no it's got to be this way or it just won't work and actually i've encountered a lot of people like that in my in my work where i i've one one director of mine who literally said if this line doesn't stay in the story the entire episode makes no sense a line. And I'm like, I don't know. God, keep it then.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like for the past 10 minutes, you described me in a nutshell with (laughs) with your entire story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I don't even know where to begin to respond to that just because I feel like um, you and I have lived parallel lives through your jungle arc and the side project that I've had working on because uh, for those who don't know Slimesters, for our listeners uh, listening to this, uh, I have a degree in uh, 2D animation from Rochester Institute of Technology. And when I graduated, I was supposed to go out to Hollywood with the rest of my friends, but I ended up getting sidetracked and not making it there with them until, you know, I went much later in 2019 to try and make it. And, you know, of course, my anxiety got the best of me and I wasn't able to, like, visit Nickelodeon Studios or even pitch my ideas. But very much like you, with the jungle movie, I've had my own project uh, called Seeds of Sentiment, which is an extension of my senior thesis film that I've been nurturing for about 13 years now, just trying to get the story just right so I can, you know, bring into life and really connect with people in the world. Since that's what drove me to become an animator in the first place, you know, very much like you and Jim Jenkins, who made Doug, um, create your shows to connect with people on a deep emotional level. So to, to hear you talk about these things is very uh, comforting and encouraging knowing that just because something didn't happen on your timeline doesn't mean that it won't happen period within your lifetime
0: yeah and never throw away your notes man you know don't throw away I, I keep I keep all my my dead projects in a folder and you know plug, plug them around from place to place because you just never know and and uh, I, I think you know I've in, in all the years I've been working, and and watching things go up and down, and you know there have been like three major crashes at least in the time that I've been making cartoons and telling stories, and it just makes me think, you know, not only do you need to hang on to your stuff, but also a door might open, and when it does, be ready to just like choing, jump through the door, because if you if you, if it, the door opens and they're like, yeah, anyone ready? Then they close it. And you're like, damn, you know. I just was thinking about that because I came down to do Pee-wee uh, in '87. Um, that's a long time ago, you know. I was thinking Pee-wee was even in the, in the decade before Nickelodeon, the Nicktoons, yeah, before yeah.
2: that started. Yep.
0: And so that was it. Was all by itself, you know. It was playing on Saturday morning on CBS, if you can believe it, you know. And hey like it must have just stood out like a sore thumb, and. Um, but the, when that show came out, I, I thought, oh, you know, I got to be part of this. It's just so cool. It's so neat looking. And all the artists that work on it were my, I'm just a fan of everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I was, I, so I applied to them. I reached out, I sent, I sent a sample reel, you know, and like, hey, you know, to a couple people that I knew were on the crew. And then I got the call in May, on a May evening, just like, hello, do you want to come down and come to LA and make the Penny cartoons? And I was like, if I don't put the phone down and pack and get down to LA, somebody else is going to do it. And it'll be tough luck, Craig. So I was like, yes, I will be there. Like, when do you want to see me? And I'll just be standing there. And so I think, you know, it just reminds me that if you get these chances once in a while, but you go, nah, you know, I got to finish this thing or, uh, you know, someone needs me or da da da, You might, you know the golden chance might pass you by. So I always think it's true. Tell people to not only, you know, have, have ideas, but be ready too, yeah. ready if. It,
1: and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. At least you're not living the rest of your life going, man, what if I had tried?
2: Yeah, because re- regret raised tons. Yeah,
1: some of the
0: biggest things that, I, that I've done, you know, there, there's always a cost. And I just think, you know, you know, if I didn't take that chance and I just was like, I wonder what would have happened if I'd have done that, you know, I'd regret it forever.
2: Um, One thing that really did stand in my mind the most while watching these three um, stories, let's call them, uh, is your role uh, doing the voice work for Miles. Uh, Tell me a little bit about how you how you came into that role and why it felt important for you to do it throughout this uh, story arc.
0: I thought it would be, that's a great question, thank you.
2: I thought it'd be really
0: fun to be Miles because he's Arnold's dad. And I thought, well, I am Arnold's dad, so I, I think I'm gonna be Miles. And then, I, and I, I don't know, it does seem kind of random that, that uh, Antoinette and I played mom and dad, the, the writers of the episode. But I thought, well, if I'm gonna be Miles, then Antoinette wants you to be Stella. And, and she, Antoinette is a writer who had come to L.A. to be like an actor. I wanna come and be an ingenue in the movies. And her career was so disappointing. She was like, "This is stupid. I've got to think of something better to do than try to be a, an ingenue." And so she started writing, and her, her career was born. And and uh, I knew though that she was an actor, and I knew she could do it. And then it was super fun. Then it was like, how do I? When we were when we were recording it, we didn't have to explain to any actor what it was we needed. We were just like, we wrote it, so. We played it. And then uh, it, even all the looping that that required, There's a lot of ADR because, I don't know, they're swimming in rapids and falling off cliffs, swinging on ropes and going like, Yuck! you know. And uh, it was really fun to loop it with Antoinette too. It was like, it was sort of like we were able to be the producers of that thing from idea to to post, you know. And a lot more from me because Antoinette was just on the writing staff and had other things to write, but. You know, I, I always and I always took uh, the post-production really seriously. It's it's my by far my favorite part because the uh, the work is done, and you're you're just gonna make it better. You know, I, I should add to mixing the Parents Day episode was really a tr- uh, a trial because I cried and cried.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I cried and cried watching it because Jim Ling's theme song is just so overwhelmingly brilliant
0: i went out at lunch someone was going to come pick me up and we were going to go to lunch i was standing out on the sidewalk out in front of the post place in burbank on a sunny hot day crying going like what the what is wrong with me you know <laughs> <laughs> i have got to stop why am i and, and it's funny too that's part of it like when you do stuff that's all about emotions and you have truly sad stories and stuff like that and you're you're kind of going for it i mean i really would i would really go for I thought it was, you know, I like Lang. He would do scores that were so good at it conveying, you know, Pigeon Man, you know, the end of Pigeon Man. You know, that music, You'd like, come on. And, and so he knows, he understands gravitas so well. And, he, and for a guy who can be as funny as he can, he, he really knows how to just like, <clears throat> like when we were mixing it, he was like uh, the parent, okay, Arnold dreams and grandma and grandpa are in little planes with him and they all fly off together. And he said, Mix up those um, French horns the French horns mean it's gonna all be okay and then, so he's got that kind of idea like an oboe says this a French horn says that a trombone says uh, a tuba says that and uh, so anyway you know with with uh, with Lang in my uh, you know toolkit uh, I was like look this is what I'm gonna do I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a lot of sad stuff because we we're so good at it and so, but I did, that was one of those moments where I was like, what have you done? Why, why did you make this? I mean, and also I, I should add my, my kids were, were Arnold age kids then. Katie was probably six and, Ar- and uh, Matt was probably Arnold's age. Matt was probably nine when I made it. And I, I took the tape home like I always did. Once they were fresh out of the oven, I'd bring the tape home and play it for the family at night. And they watched it, and then I turned it off, and Matt was crying, and he was, a, he was a very stoic kid who cried very seldom, and so I was like, oh, uh-oh, Matt's crying, and he looked at me and he said, why did you do this? Like, what? <laughs> you know, it's as simple as that. Like, you introduced me to Arnold. I've known this guy for years now. You know, he's kind of part of the family. Uh, why are you putting him through this terrible stuff? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I don't I don't know. I'm gonna have to do this. Daddy's gotta
2: do this. <laughs> I mean it feels good to cry because it's a very healing emotion and allows you to get deeper than just laughs. So You're totally right.
0: Gandalf said it best. He said not all tears are an evil.
1: Since we had already just mentioned Jim Lang, uh do you know how he came up with that melody for the Parents' Day?
0: Um he uh he he went off for a couple days we, we were really on a schedule. We would bust out so much. Jim had to make so much music and get it recorded. He recorded it himself in his studio, and he had a horn section, that his basic rhythm section, his horn section would come in weekly and, and do a bunch of cues. And so for something like this, luckily it was like, again, it was a special at the end of the season. And so it had that going for it where we could all kind of lavish a couple extra weeks on it because it was you know we're mopping it up so he took the time and he went off for a couple days and he, he said okay i'm sending over the parents theme you better like it i hope you like it if you don't you know we got a problem because i really love this so i can tell you jim really loved parents day and he uh he wanted, I remember the recording of it was really important to him too, he had a new, he was always getting some new digital board. Or, yeah, always like, oh, I got, got this great new uh, sample. You know, wait till you hear this horn sample, it's unbelievable. And he, so like, you know, when all the, when there's an orchestral like horns going, Burr. you know, that kind of crazy <laughs> sound, kind of a slowed down horn sting. He got that sample like in the middle of the run and was just like, hey man, listen to this. <laughs> but he, but he, um, he. I remember he had a new digital piano, and he he didn't want to do it on a real piano, and then he wanted to do it on a, on his digital one, and then I think he did it on a real one. You know, he's was, he was really going back and forth on that. Like, I need that really super great grand piano for for that theme. Also, I don't know. Yeah, man. I mean, I you know, in the making of these cartoons, uh, there's always you know talking about gravitas and stuff. I like to. Start with a, a the the kind of lighter, funnier one for the A show, and then kind of go out with something a little more, hmm, you know, for the B show. So you can kind of sit on that and go into the music at the end. And uh, we often uh, started by third season. I was starting to do custom uh, playoffs. Well, no, we did it right away. You know, I mean, there were there was examples even in season one. The baseball goes into that hilarious like ballpark, Oregon, and that we did. We had to do that because. Lang's beautiful baseball score, another one of his very best, rings off beyond the 11 minute mark. It fades to black and it's still ringing. And I was like, we can't clobber that. No. We it's, can't, it's, like, then just like, we can't.
2: Yeah, it's very jazzy and upbeat.
0: Yeah. So I said, okay, fine. Can we? I, I just asked Nickelodeon, can we at that blackout, can it keep rolling? And then and Lang's like, cool, I'll do a. So I'll do something ballpark organ after that. It'll be really fun. It'll be like super you know, like, oh God, you know, heartfelt ending, and then ain't lean it on the on the um on the ballpark organ. So we were doing custom endings all the time, but finally we were really just doing it every time. And uh uh Parents Day uh did the same thing, Arnold Flies Away, and it starts. And it just it just continues into the credits, and uh, that's like a kind of super important emotional cool down in my in my opinion. Uh, it, 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 some of those there's just no way you would then go into it. Pigeon Man too. Pigeon Man ends, it's super emotional. Oh my God, he's flying away, and then it goes into uh, a really subdued acoustic guitar, and it's the uh, it's actually a cue from the show. It was some it was a piece of music from when. Uh, Arnold and, and Vincent were walking around on the rooftop and he's been explaining who he is.
2: Yeah, yeah, I remember it now. And so
0: those were all like, we'd be like, dude, we made this half hour that's super emotional. You, I don't want to just hard cut at 11 and start playing that uh, main and credit music. What are we going to do this time? And so that was super fun. And, and we had uh, complete freedom to do what we wanted. Uh, nobody ever told us, gave us notes on any of that stuff. Jim's music was so kind of sure-handed that Mary, our first first two years, we had Mary Harrington as our exec, and then she moved on. We had people after that who had less control over what we were doing, and Mary just was like, Oh "Dude, Jim Lang's a genius. I don't have any notes, and I never will." So he had he had a, an insane freedom, and was surrounded by his fans. You know, I was just like I, I was just sitting there going, "I can't believe how lucky I am that I." live in a world where my composer is over here what am i the emperor of uh you know you know i feel like it's it's in amadeus you know (laughs) salieri or mozart you know right that's what you like
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's what i love so much about um you know this common thread that we've been noticing through all these shows that we're celebrating on our podcast uh, from the 90s well, most of them early to mid some later but mostly early to mid is that they had this creative freedom uh, from the higher-ups that just said hey we trust you you know what we're, you're doing even though we don't know what's going to happen just run with it and i feel like that kind of innate trust allows a lot of the creative freedom to flourish rather than having a bunch of regulations or notes being passed back and forth to you know, do this or cut during this time. So it's yeah.
0: There's a, there's been a, a tendency uh, in the in the intervening years where execs know more and more that they simply must or should uh, kind of get in there, get under the hood. It's like and, the
2: brain interferes too much with the heart when the heart just wants to do its thing. Yeah. So I you know I
0: benefited a lot from from that that reality. Right? I, I I acknowledge that.
1: Well, uh, Nickelodeon has a a tendency, especially in the early 90s, to have a variety of different types of programming. And as far as Nicktoons in general were concerned, they usually went for big, bombastic, outlandish senses of humor. But Hey Arnold was was very, very different. Uh, What drove you to push for more emotional, powerful stories like the ones we're talking about now when Nickelodeon was doing so different content with their, with their Nicktoons?
0: Well, it's a great question because you're right, that did set up an expectation. The good news was that they were, they were pretty much all over the place, you know, in tone and and in, in production value and its approach and in writing and in, you know, acting, kind of even the way they directed the actors and stuff. So there was a lot of, there's a good range of stuff, but I knew we were like, we were like, <laughs> we were like the nerd over here, you know, uh, making our our little kind of thoughtful, you know, Steve Steve Vixon used to say, "Arnold's more like a, a ABC after school special shot with a single camera." You know, it's more like that than I don't know.
2: Uh, seems more down to earth that way. Yeah,
0: and 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 also uh, Charlie Brown, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas was a seminal influence on on me when I was a kid. I saw it at Charlie Brown age, and uh, I was deeply, deeply affected by the fact that it was about being sad. You know, Charlie Brown in the opening scene is leaning on that wall with Linus going, I don't know. what's wrong with you, Charlie Brown? You know, I don't know. Christmas is here and I know I should feel good, but I'm just sad. And and Linus is like,
2: <laughs> Light it up, Charlie Brown.
0: Brown. <laughs> the Charlie Browning is but anyway. When I saw that, I it, it, even in my little nine-year-old brain, I was like, "Oh man, you know, uh, I know I like to draw, and I kind of wish I could make these cartoons." Um, uh, I- imagine that! Imagine making a cartoon about how it really feels to be a kid. Because in my opinion, childhood was more of a veil of tears than than a big laugh riot. And as much as I adored, you know, the Bugs Bunny cartoons, I you know watched. I know them all. Watched them endlessly as a kid. And learned much of my comic timing from, from Bugs Bunny, uh, my kind of the soulfulness, and that you know the music to Charlie Brown's Christmas was right in the zone, man. Mm-hmm.
2: It's, it's, uh, and it's know, jazzy too. It, and it's
0: yes, it's 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 old school, you know, uh, piano, bass, and and uh, and drums, uh, jazz trio. And so when we approached making Hey Arnold, I, I said, let's let's come on, man, let's get emotional. And uh, Lang was more than up to the task. And we the two of us discussed how it could be jazzy, like jazzy and blue, like Charlie Brown, but have a whole different vibe. And it was the it was the jazz meets hip-hop of the 90s, the acid jazz and stuff that we were listening to in, in L.A. that made us go, yeah, we can do this. We'll, we'll make a new sound. Also, God, man, your, your audience's kids... Everything they're hearing is for the first time. And so you know, you can be sitting there ripping off apocalypse now and they'll they'll think like, this is cool and then much later they'll finally see Apocalypse now and go, Hey, I saw that first Hang on Hang
2: Right, right. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's funny how the things like this influence us and then it, it imbues itself in our work later on as, you know, our inspiration coming to life because I was also really much into Charlie Brown and Peanuts growing up. And there's just, just something really different. Than other cartoons that really sucked you in, I and I think it has to do with the the realness of the emotion that's being expressed because it's not all sunshines and rainbows and comedic jokes one after the other like you would expect. Um, you know, which is more topical. It gets down to real issues like being depressed or not knowing what to do if a girl likes you. And it, it's, kids, it, it's the kids really are like relatable. kids,
0: but they kind of have adult problems and they 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 use adult vocabulary and they there's there's a. There's great there's great uh you know I don't know, great uh prototype character prototypes in there that that I, I just I know they're a huge influence when I when I was growing up. So th- that was so having said that, you know, to answer your question about in the middle of the Nicktoons, how could we do it, uh I, I tell you what, I promised Mary that it would be funny. I said, look, it'll be funny. Look, here's how it's gonna be funny. This is gonna happen, this is gonna happen and uh the pilot i'm like come on you know it'll be okay we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna uh it'll it'll be arnold will be this this kind of soulful zen kid but all the other characters around him will be really zany and funny don't worry there'll be laughs and so i think if we hadn't delivered those laughs there would have been a big problem but luckily it's funny too and so They just finally I mean, it didn't take long for them to kind of see how how they would benefit from this. I mean, I I got to give a lot of credit to Nickelodeon for in the 90s for having the sensitivity to kind of give us that rope that you were talking about earlier. I mean, they didn't have to, but they did. And I remember when I finished the first episode, Downtown is Fruits, Eugene's bike. I had that tape. I went to New York on a Friday. We all gathered in a corner of that big, you know, Times Square building and it was up 30 floors up and there was a big TV in the corner and the whole staff of Nickelodeon, I don't know, 100 people from a couple floors had all gathered and we all had beers or something and we watched downtown streets of Eugene's bike standing up in a, in a, in the, a big kind of living room space. And afterwards they were like, hey, they were like, eh, that's going to be great. And they, Pat, you know, packing, patting me on the back and stuff, and I thought, okay, you know, I, I we, we agree, we're in sync. They, they're like, I like this. It's funny and it's, you know, you know, God, they, even that one, Downtown's Fruits has some soulful moments, and and uh, I love the ending of Eugene's bike where it's all there, man. Arnold, Arnold tried to save the day and he couldn't. He's like, ah, oh, gosh, I'm really sorry, Eugene. Eugene's like, hey, man, nobody else has ever tried that hard. You're awesome, and he goes to shake hands in the door. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Little fingers are wiggling, Ow. Ow I'm okay. And he open the door, <laughs> and he drives away. And Arnold's like, Can't win them all. <laughs> and he walks. Over, he turns, and walks off into the dark. And, 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 and cue I'm the music. Like, this, yeah, yeah, cue the music. And so uh, you know, it was all there, and thank God they didn't go, Hey, we got to change this and make it less this or more that. They, they really did, to their credit, uh, you know, put, put, the, put faith in the artists that were working for them and, um, you know, the rest is history, man. That's what you get when you, you send that message of confidence down the line. I, I tend to want to do my best for them.
2: I imagine everybody else did, too. Of course, they all share the same vision. And it's a beautiful balance of silliness and seriousness, seriousness that has allowed it to last this long and even get a resurgence during the pandemic where the next generation has really connected with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to say, I'm, I'm certainly enjoying the ongoing uh, love of the show. It, and the fact that it's is, is always playing somewhere is just really good for me, too. So
2: Yeah. I've even done a couple of Hey Arnold art pieces here and there on Instagram you may have seen, um, like, for the 25th anniversary and the Sailor Helga one that I did. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's like a Sailor Moon <laughs> one, yeah. So we, we've been having our feelers out there, kind of getting to know each other, but not in person like <laughs> um, Speaking of Eugene's bike, this one, I, I don't know if it was like an Easter egg or if it's something that was connected later on. I noticed at the very beginning of it, Arnold has this like fantasy sequence where he's running around in a jungle trying to trap or capture some animals with a net. and. You got all these animals like morphing into each other before he wakes up. It probably is a no, but I'm wondering, does that have any loose connection to the jungle arc story? Or was that perhaps the seed of an idea that helps spark you know its Yeah, expansion? it would be more
0: like it'd be more like a seed because you know, in the early days, Arnold was a, a daydreamer, which in series we ended up dropping pretty quickly because. We just felt like our 11 minutes were, were the time was so precious that we didn't have time for a, uh, a cold open, uh, fantasy. Then we'd have only 10 minutes left to tell our story. So we ended up just for economy's sake going, let's drop this. I think it's clear that Arnold's a daydreamer.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like at least in the first season where you get little highlights of it, where he's just by himself reflecting, like in particular, uh the field trip episode which we covered yeah. before where it was a kind much of... more
0: effective way to use his sitting around dreaming yeah yeah that was exactly. like a
2: segue out of it
0: yep that's exactly hmm. right he morphed into other ways to express that kind of wool gathering that arnold does when he in the christmas story when he he just goes and lays in bed and the camera kind of pans off or pulls off and, and then you can see him kind of re- reseeing the vietnam flashback um as another one, where I'm like, look, this is Arnold, like literally sitting there, kind of like, willing, the next thing to happen. He's literally using his kind of like, uh, power as the, as the this, the center of this universe, all watching, to uh, to try to make something change. So that that was that was kind of where his his daydreaming went.
2: Totally, and I like how you allow for that space within the eleven minutes to just kind of take a pause and reflect so that we can gracefully move to the next moment rather than just go, 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 go with the plop advancing forward. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you need those stop gaps to, to no make it a time work. that
0: you want to get uh, more epic in your storytelling, you have to be able to uh, change the dynamic away from a typical eleven minute cartoon. hundred
2: mm-hmm. percent.
1: Brett, I think we have time for one more question before we need to let Craig go.
2: Oh, so, man, it felt like two seconds. <laughs> I know, it's, it's gone so fast. Oh, we'll have to have you back on again. Um, man, what's the most important question on this list? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, you, I'll gonna, give you two. You, 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 get away. you guys get okay. two questions. Okay, right. I'll, I'll get one, you get one, Alex. You start. All right. <laughs> Looking back. Do you feel that
1: you've done everything that you've wanted to do within the Hey Arnold universe or is there additional storylines that you'd like to explore?
0: Uh, great question. And uh, no, I, I don't think I've done everything I could do. It's really, I mean, it's bittersweet because I, I'm perfectly willing to believe that maybe they'll never, you know, the, the current administration has all the Arnold they need and they don't, you know, for whatever reason, they don't want to, uh, to uh, revisit. Even in a time when, all networks are falling back on brands and and uh, original stuff is so hard to make a very hard time to start an original cartoon so it would it would you would think they would but for whatever reason that you know they're, they're sticking with what they're doing and and so yeah i think i think i may not make more you know original arnold content but um i i would do more i i've got you know feature ideas and spin-off ideas and and uh So I'm just kind of chilling and, you know, I'm kind of uh, my, uh, my kind of archive of Arnold stuff. I'm sort of curating and, you know, doing my Instagram thing.
2: I've noticed a lot of original cells have been popping up in your feed, which I appreciate because we can notice all the glorious little details like the shadow. Yeah, it's cool to see that. Yeah, right. They are.
0: They're they're beautiful compared to the tape that the the show's on. Um, So, you know, it gives me something to do. But but in the in the meantime, I, I just figure I've got to kind of wait until uh, another administration comes in that like Russell Russell who, who was like there wasn't anything but for him it was just like hey why don't we make some more it was as simple as that and when I came in it was like let's get going and I, I I couldn't believe it after all those years I was like it was like the meeting that you would have made up in your fantasy you know. And so I'm, I'm happy to, it's, it's really, you know, in all my years of doing this, uh, you know, the ups and downs are hilarious. And there's times when you're just like, Oh my God, I'll never work again. And then you, you know, then something else happens and, you know, personalities change, people at the top change. And, uh, you know, the the, the business itself changes constantly. So, you know, you just kind of go when the times are good, you should probably try to be as present as possible and enjoy them as much as you can. And when times aren't, think about what else makes you go what else makes you happy and, and, and concentrate on that right now I want to see the world you know I'm kind of interested. travel in like that. miles
2: <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah, become an I, anthropologist my, my, inner, <laughs> my inner anthropologist
0: is, uh, is coming out so yeah that you know I would I would make more stuff and, and uh, I, I feel like it's very what can I say it's the most beloved thing I've ever done. I have a much larger audience uh, for that than anything else I've done so so yes I would.
2: Um, on, on that note, with the final question for the episode, with all, all the things you've done for Harold and specifically the Jungle arc story, um, being able to wrap that up and fully explore Arnold's background and have his parents reunite with him, is there any one valuable or rather invaluable takeaway that you get from producing that and seeing it through completion after all the, all the changes and all the waiting you've had to make it?
0: My, my takeaway, is that who would have guessed that instead of just getting green lights all the way? Here you go, Craig. You want to make the jungle movie? Make the jungle movie. Uh, instead, there were all these obstacles, and you know the lights the plug got pulled. And the lights got turned out for all those years, and instead of it, instead of it hurting the project, I think it helped it. And I think it's it's even it even helped it in the sense that the. Real kind of core audience was the audience that had grown up on Arnold in the first place, and probably not the current 2017 audience, the 11-year-olds that were watching The Loud House right then. You know, it, it they they didn't probably care as much about it as the adults who had grown up on it naturally. And so uh, the 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 time for them to have all that, like you know, you know, how hard people were were uh, trying to bring back the Jungle Movie and all the all the fan, you know, kind of, kind of grew up with social media and all those efforts to do petitions and all that stuff. So people got to feel it was, people got to participate in, in that little uh, rebirth and, and that, that little miracle in a way that I think was really gratifying for everybody. And as a content maker, I, I, I love that. I, I enjoyed working on all those teasers and all that silly stuff we did. I mean, everything about that. Process was super fun reuniting with the cast and god, just such good times. People coming in, Dan Castellaneta and Cass Susie, and you know, Maurice Lamarge, all the people who played the adults came in, and and uh, uh, they they just they they just all were like, wow, this never happens, how cool! And so, yeah, it it it, it, it was really the, my takeaway was it was a. Uh, a huge success and the, the you know, I remember when, it, when the movie came out, it got like a hundred in Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know where it's at now, but when it first came out, it was like playing a hundred and I, I was thinking I've never had this kind of success. I've never done a single thing that was so unanimously loved by people. And I, of course, there must have been some haters and, you know, totally people would be like ragging on the Jungle movie for something, but but um, in, in, a, in a, a time as cynical as, well, it was 2017, so it wasn't as bad as it is now. Because <laughs> I think social media, I, I'm not complaining, I use social media to my advantage every single day, and I, you know, I play it just like everyone else plays it, but um, to, to normally, even then, there'd be, like, it'd be really hard not to have somebody have something mean to say about something. And so... Just to, just to make something that was so universally uh, uh, welcomed and enjoyed by people. You know, God, the next, that weekend when it opened, a Saturday and a Sunday, I just read comments all day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, you know, and we're living in a time where it's, it's perilous almost to read the comments. It's like, there's so much hating going on that, uh, you know, you gotta make that choice sometimes. I know a lot of creatives who go, I don't read my reviews, you know? You know a lot of musicians and stuff were like, you know, if I if I cared what people said about my stuff. And I also believe we should all, um, we should be our own keeper and the person responsible for our own self-esteem. And, and, you know, your own best friend who who goes, you know, people may not like this, but this is what I wanna do and I'm gonna do it. And I give myself permission to do it. And, I, and I, I'm a big fan of that way of thinking. And yet I'm still like, I'll, I'll be, I'll be really happy about it. one day. I'll be like, why am I all happy? And I'm like, oh, yeah, somebody really praised me. You know, like I got, I got somebody was like, yeah, boy," And I got some kind of hat on the back. And so I think, uh, I guess we just need it, man. We you know, we're not, we're not working in a vacuum. David Bowie said it best at the, in 1999. He said, we're heading into, he, he basically described the future. He said, we're heading into a time where making art is going to be different going to make art and then it's not that art won't be complete until people have you know weighed in on it and passed judgment on it and then when everybody's participated online about what they think of it then the art is done and he was kind of like Ugh. like you know I we're heading into some weird but he called it because he's right and, and so we cannot make stuff in a vacuum now we can't I, I, I think I'm not you know I love to talk about my shit I'm a I'm a I'm, I can hold forth about Hey Arnold for days, you know. I'm, it, that's just my nature, I I, I can say, like I love to tell stories and I'll tell them again. So the, it's not it's not like I'm, you know, like Stanley Kubrick going, oh, the work speaks for itself, I, you know, I
2: have nothing to say. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> or, I said that once or twice. <laughs> oh, hey man, what's the
0: end of 2001 about? You know, he's like, I don't know. Uh, why don't you uh, go watch it? And, <laughs>
2: you know? what do you think so, so
0: yeah i'm much more it's much more fun i mean we're cartoon making is so collaborative it's a huge i had 50 plus helpers you know contributing all of them contributing artistically and creatively to what i did and it was a real group effort there's a lot of important relationships in there a lot of love and and camaraderie and and uh, you know, I, I think fondly on, on all those people every day, and so it's not I'm not like a you know auteur, you know, making this by myself. I'm I'm much more like a love to hang out and talk kind of a guy, and um, that that aspect of it, it tur- you know, it turns out that worked that worked really well for Hey Arnold. It made it made Hey Arnold have that kind of I don't know. It, it gave it I think the warmth that that it, it has that i think that's an intangible you, you know when you go to make stuff that's why i always tell people who are starting to make their own like i got an idea for a show i'm like make a little short you know make a make a little cartoon even if it's a minute or 3 or whatever people then can you can put it on they can see where you, what kind of tone you have like what what music do you like what are you know what kind of what kind of voice work would it be would it be harsh and bright or would it be kind of chill and dark and um, that that aspect of it, you, you, they're intangibles. When I look at Hey Arnold now, with the benefit of 30 years uh, retrospective, I can I can kind of see what I set out to do, and one of them was to be kind of warm and give you a good a good vibe. People talk about vibe now in a way that they didn't in the 90s, but I think Arnold had a vibe that was instantly recognized by children. They they went, ah, uh, I want to go to this place, <laughs> which was exactly what I was trying to do, man. I was like, I was like, I'm going to make an environment that they'll want to, they'll want to go. It's, it's aspirational. They'll want to go live in, in Arnold's world for half an hour.
2: Yeah. That's, that's very beautiful to um, express that. Just build a world that you want to step inside. Cause that's really what making cartoons yeah, that's what cartoon and, making is we're, yeah. we're,
0: making, we're making a universe from whole cloth unlike live action which always has to have some kind of you know it has many reference points that tell you you're in you know in a real world not, not cartoons you know they're they're something else that's why that's why we love them
2: yeah that's why i got into them as a kid too like even mm-hmm. though i explored different avenues with music and building and some other stuff i always gravitated towards drawing cartoons just because it, I could do things I couldn't normally do in other mediums, and I, I love the freedom of that, where you can just make something up and you know slap a story and a few characters together, and voila, it's it's living and breathing and has a life of its own, depending on how many people believing it, and we'll collaborate together to, you know, see it fully grown. Well, Craig,
1: thank you so very, very much for taking the time to come out and answer some questions and talk about these three wonderful stories. It means a lot to the both of us, and I know it means a lot to Brent, especially. Thank you so very much.
2: You're leaving me speechless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has been truly an honor. So, if you ever oh. want to come back again to talk about Hey Arnold or Rugrats or anything else you worked on, you have our permission. Just say when, and we'll we'll make time for you.
0: All right. Well, take care, of y'all. Take stay well, man. Don't don't get the cocoa.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, with that, the episode,
1: all you slimesters is not over yet Uh, we've still got some more that we're going to go over uh, between the two of us so stick around we're going to go to a quick commercial break we'll be right back
2: stay tuned hey arnold we'll be right back after this
1: thank you so much for tuning in to this inside look of hey arnold with craig bartlett If you are enjoying this episode, please take the time and hit the like button and subscribe and hit the notification bell on YouTube. If you are listening on a podcast app, please leave us a review where possible. These simple acts on your part help other people who are looking for us get in contact with us, find us, listen to us, watch us, all that good stuff. Also. Please leave some comments down below, interact with us. If you have any questions, comments, feedback of any kind, you can always find us on Instagram as well as all of our socials, Facebook, Reddit, TikTok, all that stuff. Uh, Mostly Instagram and Facebook is where you will find us. And also you can always email us at splatattack2021 at gmail.com.
2: Tune in next time, slimesters, when we go deeper into the jungle using a secret map found in Arnold's dad's journal to uncover the 30th anniversary of Legends of the Hidden Temple. Told you we'd be getting to it. We'll be doing a deep dive into the history of the show, along with getting a slew of first-hand perspectives from several contestants who have braved the challenges Olmec and Kirk threw at them, and how the show's legacy still impacts the fans today. And we may just run into a temple guard or two, and some people who work behind the scenes, so it's gonna be a lot of fun. You can find all this retrorific action and more only here on Splat Attack. What happens
1: when the family wants to go on a road trip but no one ever leaves the house that's exactly what happens on this clarissa explains it all episode called road trip join brett and i as we talk with alan goodman about this very episode along with some other memories that alan goodman has shared with us you will only find this episode available on patreon go to patreon.com splatattack to get access to this episode, as well as a backlog of many episodes that we've had. Uh, Since Splat Attack has turned two years old, you now have access to our top five birthday episodes, our Little Bear episode, as well as our Super Specs episode review for free. If you enjoy these episodes, please consider subscribing to our channel and enjoy the nostalgia. And now back to Hey Arnold. Hey. Only on Nick.
2: Alrighty, we're back from our commercial break. Um, you know, thanks to this machete that I happened to find lying around, uh, I was able to cut through all the different jungle leaves and make our way to the the Green Eye People Forbidden City. And uh, we're going to talk about you know these three episodes, more or less uh, now. So for the episode info for each of these. Uh, starting off, we have Parents Day, which is Season 3, Episode 60 or uh, from Season 5, Episode 6 on the Shout Factory DVD. Its air date is May tenth, 2000, though it mentions 1998 in the end credits under the Nickelodeon splat. It was directed by Larry Leakleader and Tuck Tucker and was written by Craig Bartlett and Antoinette Stella. And of course, the music is by the great Jim Lang. And for the journal we have season 5 episode 99 to 100 because it's a two-parter and it also appeared as season 5 episode 19 and 20 on the Shout Factory DVD its air date was November 11, 2002 though it mentions 2001 in the end credits under the Nickelodeon splat it was directed by Remy Musquiz and written by Craig Bartlett, Michelle Lamoureux, and Joseph Purdy and the music once again was done by Jim Lang and lastly we have The Jungle Movie, which is the made-for-TV movie. Its air date was November 24th, 2017. It is directed by Remy Musquez and Stu Livingston and is written by Craig Bartlett, Joe Purdy, Laura Srebny, and Justin Charles Blois. The music, once again, was done by Jim Lang and this Jungle Movie takes place right after the events of The Journal, as Arnold is heading into sixth grade with all of his friends. So let's start off with You know, our thoughts and impressions of uh, Parent's Day, Alex, since, you know, this is a special topic, we're not going to be as detailed, we're just going to give like a quick, like, couple minute summary of what happened. Uh, Would you like to start with that?
1: Sure. Uh, So anyone who has listened to our previous Hey Arnold episodes, this should not be uh, a surprise to any of you. But for those of you who are fairly new, I am completely green when it comes to Hey Arnold. Hey Arnold. I remember seeing "Hey Arnold" when it first came out in the theaters for "Harriet the Spy," but that's really the only thing that I had seen, and I don't even really remember it that well. Uh, I just never watched it when I was a kid. Uh, I well, I was a teenager by that point, so I stopped. I, I was out of. I was completely out of watching cartoons. I was too cool for it.
2: Well, see, but... I was slightly younger, younger than you, so I, I happened to catch Harry Arnold when it first aired downtown in his fruits. I didn't even know about the pilot that was with Harry uh, the Spy until later on, but I was I was pretty much there from the beginning and watched it nonstop, uh, which may explain why I have such a deep memory of uh, season one in particular in 1996.
1: And uh, this the series has really a strong fan base, which I have noticed being within the 90s Nick circuit for the last few years, people absolutely love these, the, the series. And I have seen so many screenshots of various episodes. I've seen Snoop kid. I've seen pigeon man. I've seen uh Lockjaw, I've seen many of them and I've seen a few of um, the jungle movie, which obviously we'll get to in just a little bit. So, but, but it's all new territory for me, even though I, I know some of the quotes this is all brand new stuff to me and watching the last few episodes that i have i absolutely adore the show and i was looking forward to being able to get more into this show for for or this this episode to talk about these three parts and also the fact that we got to talk with craig i was excited about that um but i i was letting brett take most of that because this is his baby so it's like no you 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 do you man Funny thing,
2: when I was talking to Julian after we first connected, um, he asked me, "What's your Mount Rushmore of like creators you would love to meet?" And I said, "DJ McHale, Jim Jenkins, Craig Bartlett, and Joe Murray." And now we've officially met three of the four. So, it's it's I, get, I can't say it enough. It's an honor and pleasure to get to know Craig, you know, through his work and talking to him personally and. I'm sure we'll have him on again. And uh, Joe Murray, if you're happening to listen to this, we'd love to have you on for any Rocco episode that we end up doing in the future.
1: But as for the Parents' Day episode, uh, and also this is no big surprise, I'm a a big advocate for positive parental influences in kids' lives. And I say parental influences, not parents, because that's not always going to happen. And kids need a good, strong set of parents uh not just one they need a set in my opinion uh you can disagree with that if you want but uh i'm always the big advocate for the for the dad Uh, i've said that many times but in this episode it was really fun to see what he considers to be his parents uh, because we obviously have seen throughout the entire series up to this point where it's been Grandma and Grandpa and to and he's always been there for other people at least as far as I know I've not seen every episode but I've seen enough to know that get the general idea that he's always there to support others and I don't recall a whole lot of episodes when people have had to have been there for him. Uh, I, there may have been some I don't know them right now but I think more times than not, Arnold has been there for others so to see this episode where he is not wanting to celebrate parents day because his biological parents are not around and then to see grandma and grandpa trying to I mean they're excited about parents day and they are the parents so they're excited but they respect him enough that once he said I don't want to It wasn't... They didn't go after him in terms of, but we got to do this thing. We got to go. This is for school. This is... I I wanted to go. They didn't do that. They weren't selfish. Mm -hmm. They completely shifted gears and went straight to, he's upset. Understandably upset. We need to try to support him and be there for him. Even if that means just giving him some space, which, again, I think is... Highly commendable because you don't see that in in kids shows. Usually, they're just berated the mm-hmm. the character over and over and over. No chance to breathe. And uh, but but Grandpa, I mean Grandma, stopped with the goofiness instantly and and told Grandpa, "Go talk to him." And then he was being receptive. Do you want a story? No. Is there something I can do? No. Do you want space? Yes. Okay. And here's here's your here's your breakfast. Like the next day, here's your breakfast. I'll leave you alone. And I think that's super sweet. Uh, that's not that's a realistic relationship where you can understand where the child is upset, and then to 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 learn about your your parents a little bit more. And now you realize that not every parent is a biological mom and dad. Parents can also be considerably older older brothers and sisters because that's happened aunts uncles cousins grandmas grandpas there's so many families now of, of different walks of life as long as you have that older person or people who are there to care for you and love you and support you and help raise you that is a parent and I loved that he recognized in this episode my grandma and grandpa are my parents and I want to go a parents day to celebrate with them and i also am so happy that they did not win they did not win the tournament the the whole thing all together i knew uh bob wasn't going to win it i was like no mm-hmm. there, there's no way craig is going to make too selfish uh, yeah that that's not going to happen but yeah. also Grandma and Grandpa, there's no way that they should be able to sweep this thing. And I noticed in the background that what was what was the other girl's name? Uh, Phoebe's. And Phoebe. Her parents won. Yes, uh, I kept noticing that Phoebe was winning a couple. and I was like, okay, they're they're gonna do the thing where she wins, and they're she, not. She's
2: an overachiever though, so it's very fitting for her to win.
1: And uh, and to see that, even though they lost, they didn't care. They 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 were still happy. And I really this whole episode just. It sings the whole thing. a uh, triple S, full full tilt.
2: Oh, I'm so glad you said that, Alex. Because um, here's my thoughts on Parents Day. So, I didn't I didn't get a chance to say it while we were just absorbing Craig's ultimate wisdom of the universe. But <laughs> uh, I I really connect with this episode. I dealt with a lot of childhood trauma where I've had a few instances where I felt like my parents abandoned me and those moments were like Arnold's having a dream when he was a baby of like mom dad where are you and just everything's kind of twisting and warping and he's he's trying to reach out for anyone to save him Uh, I I really connect with that without going into too much detail and just being able to have you know your family there support you even if they're not Your biological parents they're the next best thing your grandparents is really important because it it helps to know that you have a cohesive family unit that understands you it doesn't just have to be mom and dad it could be your siblings it could be your grandparents it could be your aunt and uncle whoever you really resonate with and my grandmother and grandfather on my mom's side they they understood me on that level they listened to me they knew when i wasn't feeling that great and they knew just how to cheer me up so this was a very special episode for me to watch and re-watch over and over again it never gets old for me and of course at the very end with jim lang's you know subtle gentle piano melody makes me cry every time um, i mentioned it as like one of my favorite nick tunes on our nicktoon episode over on patreon and it still is just because it has the sentimentality um, to encompass everything that's happened up until that point as like a cool-down moment as Craig said uh, To just take it all in and then okay we're going next in into the sky and you're just gonna let your imagination figure out where we're gonna head next and and Simmer on that until the journal is being produced a couple of seasons later so I, I really like I really like the setup, I really like the event because it also reminds me of Doug and Patty P.I. where Roger deals with not having his father there for the wheelbarrow race and Mr. Dink steps in for him, That's very, it's, it's important to have uh, older people connect with children in that way. So, to make a long story short, I'm also going to give this a triple S. It's one of my favorite episodes, I can watch it endlessly, I can listen to it endlessly. And we're going to elevate that into the Splat Attack Pantheon along with Field Trip and Pigeon Man. <laughs> welcome our new and team into the Splat attack pantheon episode 55 hey arnold parents day uh
1: for journal i really like this episode too um i didn't like it as much as as parents day but and that's not that's not really a slight um because oh, oh gosh parents day was chef's kiss uh but the journal I really enjoyed that, too. Uh, That felt like an earned ending for the series. And I consider myself very fortunate to come into the Hey Arnold game now, because if I was a kid and this was the ending and then not be able to have that conclusion for many years... That would irritate the snot out of me. Uh, <laughs> You'd be uh, waiting
2: longer than for the sequel of Kingdom Hearts, which oh is over gosh, a decade.
1: <laughs> gosh. And then I did wait for it. Me oh, too. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: but uh, to, to be where I'm at now and just finish the journal and I can go, okay, and go straight to the Jungle Movie. Just yes. <laughs> Win. That's what you get for, being, that's what you get for waiting. Uh, but uh, I did really like this. I did like it hurt a little bit to see at the very beginning of the episode where Arnold is just done. Mom and dad aren't coming back and probably, probably is thinking that they don't care or they've started a new life or something because children's minds can spiral. I mean, adults' minds can spiral. Uh, it, It just depends, but he's done. And that's really hurtful to see that he's done, but to see that, rejuvenated enthusiasm once he sees the journal and then to hear grandpa re- retell the story and then wanting to embellish but arnold keeps bringing it back it- it's fun um i love the story i love the story of mom and dad uh i love watching uh i i, I loved <laughs> how he just glossed over how how what happened after they're about to (laughs) knock (laughs) boots (laughs) when they're about to make make arnold make a volcano erupt (laughs) yes i i love that so much but i love i love that it was real i mean even though the story about them is epic for the sake of the show and and you're trying to make something that would make sense as to why these loving parents aren't around in their Child's life for nine years or however long it's been. Uh, so I know it's going to be epic. I know it's going to be big. I know it's going to be something that would be far fetched within reality, but it's it's a it's a kids' cartoon show, and and I I'm willing to go with it. But the relationships are real, and that's what really sold sold the show in general. Uh, to see that both mom and dad truly loved each other, and grandma and grandpa love each other, and Arnold is in the middle of all of this triangle of people who do truly love him but uh, to, to see that Nickelodeon also allowed not only a pregnant mom but a, a delivery on their show. I can't think of any other Nickelodeon show that has done that and not put it up as a joke. I mean, there were some jokes that you would usually get uh, with the uh, normal uh, delivery jokes in any pop culture but it it was still handled expertly well and um
2: the symbolism really worked in its favor
1: yes yes it did uh this was this was a fantastic episode it's not in my triple s tier but i did really love this backstory and i loved how it led right into the jungle movie and i loved how i was so excited to go see the jungle movie as soon as this was done so it's not triple but it is double
2: Alrighty, well for my take on the journal uh i really i really loved how we get to dive deeper into the background of miles and stella um just because we we got a glimpse of them in parents day but we didn't even learn their names back then it was a complete mystery so it it weaned us or eased us into a little bit more and more and more with the journal and even more with Jungle Movie as that comes full circle. Uh, and it's it's great, again, as you mentioned before, to see Arnold like put all these things back in the attic and then, you know, kind of lose hope. But then when he finds his dad's journal, he regains that hope and he's excited to learn more about it. So then he's going back into the storytelling with his grandfather. Um, And we get to see more of the journal and some of the pages inside and how it directly translates to the various expeditions and adventures that Miles Stella and Eduardo go on, which I always love a good adventure story, be it Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, Hook, anything else, you name it. Anything in pop culture where the adventure is grandiose and also heartfelt is a win-win for me. I I also want to say that I love seeing all the baby versions of the kids at PS118. Uh, in that later scene when they're walking Arnold in the park and they have to save him from going down the slide, it's it's just I I love it. It's so beautiful as like a character study because none of the babies say anything, and yet you know exactly who they are and what their personality is like by just a few little things they're doing like. Um, Helga like sucking on Phoebe's lollipop on the swing or like Sid hitting Stinky on the head and being totally unfazed by it as he's scooping sand in the sandbox while Harold's just smushing his face into it. I love it. It's so cute and I, it makes me love children all over again. <sighs> with that being said, there was one thing that got on my nerves with this episode and that is the constant interruptions with the telling of the story. I know, Alex, you find that endearing which is perfectly fine and I enjoyed them the first like maybe three times, four times, uh, but when it got a little bit after that to like five, six, seven, eight times, especially with grandma's interjections, I'm just like, okay, enough, I get this. We already saw it in Parents' Day a bit, just tell the story. So I was getting a bit impatient then, but that's that's just a minor nitpick because I, I, I love the, the deep dive into, you know, this background and being able to have Arnold's come to terms with the story and also share it with his grandmother and grandfather who are in, in this with him every step of the way, even in the Jungle movie when they show up. So for me, it's not quite top tier, but it is also within the upper echelon of our splat attack rating system. So I'm going to give it an S, splatterific.
1: And for Jungle movie, uh, I I've noticed a trend with recent reboots or continuations of 90s Nickelodeon properties where they're just, they're okay, is usually what I hear. Uh, And this goes for, you know, like Rocco or the Legends of the Hidden Temple movie or some of the Are You Afraid of the Dark uh, recent miniseries. So I was expecting this to be okay. I haven't really heard many people talking about this, Uh, even within the 90s Nick circuit that I'm usually in. I've not heard a whole lot about it. I know that it exists. That's about it. But I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's, I was thinking, if you're doing a movie, this has got to be, how are you going to make this into a movie? How are you going to make this big? Um, because I thought that whenever Rugrats came out, uh, they, they're doing a Rugrats movie. I'm, and I was like, what What can you do with Rugrats, with these characters, and make it big in a
2: Two words, Reptar wagon. <laughs> yeah.
1: And and I to be honest, I still haven't watched the Rugrats movie, but uh, I thought the same thing with Hey Arnold. Uh, it, it it would be like doing Doug the movie. Like what 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 can you possibly do big within the realm of reality? I mean, I could see his imagination making something really big, and, and I thought the same thing here. But no, they they did manage to make a very big compelling story and I really dug it. It got a little too action adventure uh hokey uh especially with them getting kidnapped at one point. I was like, uh I don't I don't care for that. But I I really liked that Arnold was the one that everyone admired, uh idolized and that he was able to find the golden heart and and uh, i did like the indiana jones references uh, especially when the bridge fell down uh, <laughs> i was oh full tim- tried the
2: stone one <laughs> yes
1: full temple of doom i loved it uh yep. but overall i really did enjoy this and fr- the the last third i really loved um the the build-up was good act one i loved act one I especially loved Act 1 of how the people came together to make this happen for Arnold after all the things that, they, that he had done for them, and especially Helga. And I don't know how fans feel about uh, Helga and Arnold finally coming to full realization about how each other feels by the end of it. I loved this. I really, really loved this. Coming from somebody who asked my wife for three years to finally start dating me and she always told me no. I still, even though we're married, I still have not asked her to go out with me and she say yes. Uh, that That's a whole story if you really want to hear it, but it's a, it's a story. But coming from somebody who's waited and played the long game and being told no or something has gotten in the way and then... Out of necessity, it happened uh, for for the show. I loved this. I mean, this was right in my wheelhouse with with me being Helga, um, but uh, I I really really loved this. Uh, the The middle, the second act, I thought got a little too big for movies. It felt like it it was big just to be big. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, once it got back to the third act and it was it was becoming more focused and more personal, i that's when it got me back. So not not three s's, not two
2: s's, but one s Still in our upper upper echelon, I really dug it. Interesting. <laughs> uh, for the jungle movie, i I mean you echo many, many of my sentiments. I feel like we're we're pretty much in sync with all of these. Uh, I really love how the journal picks. I mean, sorry. I, I love how the jungle movie picks off right after the journal, as if it's like leading into you know the next grade after the summer. Uh, I really love how the contest makes for a heartwarming opportunity for like a reunion of all the hair and all characters to just say, "Hey, let's get together for old times' sake and and help you out to win this contest to go to San Lorenzo." Uh, it was very endearing. I mean, you even got Lock, Lockjaw, Pigeon Man, Stoop Kid, Dino Spumoni, Mickey Kaline, just to name a few, and all the other usual characters of Hillwood in that, and it was, it was heartwarming. Um, I, I do agree with you that once they, like, actually get locked in the fortress, things feel, like, a little too cartoonish for me and too big in the sense that all these characters that you've come to know and love within Hillwood and Hey Arnold's universe, they're kind of becoming a little bit cardboard cutouty y versions of themselves where they're just kind of de- um, like being watered down to a stereotype rather than um, expressing some of that more nuanced characterization. And I think that's partly due to the fact that there's so many characters on screen. How do you keep track of everyone and still, still give them the time that they need to you know, say what they have to say? So that, that detracted from the story for me a bit, especially if like, uh, Harold and Rhonda. They just seemed a little bit too whiny and self-indulgent for me compared to, like, the TV series version of them. Uh, but aside from that, I really love the pacing of the action, especially with Gerald and Helga joining Arnold and, like, finding the green-eyed people and solving all the puzzles to get to their Forbidden City. And learning about the sleeping sickness for all, like, the hier- hieroglyphs as they're, you know, exploring it and I love that moment where they finally just make it work even though Arnold lost the heart of gold spoiler alert um flash it on the screen if you need to <laughs> and then how Helga used the locket that she's been carrying with her practically her whole life to substitute it and you know maybe it's not a, a 24 karat gold but it sure is gold and meaning and that was enough to essentially save Arnold's parents and and reawaken the green-eyed people from the sleeping sickness. So I really find details like that very heartwarming, endearing, and it's something that I would aspire to do if I were to make an animated film of this caliber. Uh, So with that being said, without belaboring it too much, love the villain, by the way, and his like comical maniacalness. That was very entertaining, how he was like a doppelganger of Eduardo. Um, I'm gonna give this a flat standing, a double S. So we're pretty much flip-flopped with the second two uh, stories on our ratings right
1: yes solid episodes all three all of them in our top tiers it, it's great all all around and I am very much looking forward to covering more Hey Arnold on the show at some point me too but uh, for this particular episode for our final segment for the episode we are going to do a wild card but this time I am going to be hosting for this one because Brett has seen all Hey Arnold I've only seen what what little bit we've covered on the show. So we're going to take a look at what we've got in our wild card, what our cards have to say, what's in Brett's future. So let's get started with wild card. All right. So for wild card, I have all of my cards here. Spades, diamonds, clubs, hearts and Joker. And what we're going to do is I'm I'm going to have you pick two since I'm obviously not going to be doing one and see if there's any connections between the three episodes that we're talking about for this episode or if you have any special memories. So pick a card, pick a card, any card.
2: Hmm. So many good choices. What do I go with first? Uh let's go of hearts because of the whole heart of gold thing that I resonate with.
1: Alright, and for that one we have Grandpa's
2: Packard. Ooh, that was one of the last episodes on the Shout Factory DVDs. I don't I don't know what episode it was in order for like the production airing. But I I enjoyed that one a lot because essentially Arnold learns a little bit about Grandpa's Packard and it gets stolen from him and he has to team up with his grandfather to find out who did it. Uh, after it was stolen from like a car show that grandpa took the packer to which is like you know this old beat-up card that he takes a lot of pride in and it turned out it was the Jolly Olly man because he wanted to get revenge on both of them for having just the worst day and happened to be around uh, Arnold and grandpa while he was having it and he he disguised himself as like a wealthy lady in order to do that at the car show so I give him a lot of props but in terms of the connection to you know the jungle story arc i don't think there is much other than the fact that it is like one of those final feeling episodes and it's like uh kind of a, a quest that's going on where they have to put all the pieces together to get to the end point the the object of desire to retrieve it kind of like you know instead of retrieving his parents they're retrieving that car that has a lot of sentimentality to them and i i like how Arnold uh, collaborates with his gra- grandfather in this episode because they really feel like a team here to to solve it. So, not as deep a connection as uh, any Harold fan would think, but there's still a tentative one there.
1: Sounds good. All right, what is your second and
2: last choice? Let's go, Joker.
1: The movie from 1991.
2: One of my favorites, absolute favorites. It's it's right up my alley uh, in terms of things that I really love. And it has a similar sentimentality to Hanover the Jungle movie because it's got a lot of adventure and heart mixed in together. And it's basically like the sequel to Peter Pan where he has forgotten what it's like to be a kid and he goes back to Neverland to save his kids. So it's kind of like a reversal going on here where they're both traveling to this crazy adventure island jungle movie and hook and a family member or family members need rescuing that are near and dear to them so i really like the parallels here and of course there's there's a lovable bad guy like la in this case it's dustin hoffman as uh hook uh joined by um what's his face from roger rabbit bob hoskins as as me so i i love everything about both of these things. It's got action, it's got comedy, it's got ambience of the setting. They both even have pirates, you know, river pirates versus you know ship pirates. Uh, What else can I say? (laughs) They're both great. They're both rewatchable. They're both high tier. If we ever do like a movie review of that, I would rate it very highly on this show.
1: Both are mostly children trying to rescue parents. Even though Peter Pan came to rescue his children, it's the children who really rescued Peter Pan.
2: My question is, who's the counterpart of Rufio in the Jungle movie? (laughs) Helga. Yeah, Helga, I can see.
1: Because she's got the attitude. She's got the anger. She's in a way leading the charge, even if it is behind the scenes. And uh, it's really her who mostly saves the day. Um, Even though Peter Pan did that, none of it would have still existed if Rufio hadn't kept it together while he was gone.
2: Indeed. Great point. Wow, that went by really quick. We had too much, <laughs> had too much fun.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh, gosh. But and, and that's always cool, though. Whenever we have the opportunity to have uh, a celebrity on the show, and and then we could. Uh, we could, we could just keep going and going and going. This episode could have turned into a four, another four hour long <laughs> recording with no technical issues, just listening to him talk about all these wonderful things. So uh, I definitely want to have Craig back, especially after I've had the chance to watch more and pick his brain some more. But it was, it was great, uh, Craig. If you're still watching this episode again, thank you so much for being here.
2: Yeah, let us know what uh, other Herald episodes you'd like to talk about because there's about a hundred to choose from. Or rather, (laughs) 97, because we already talked about three here. (laughs) All right, well, Brett, what is our closing question for the day? Uh, Our closing question is, what do you love the most about Arnold's jungle story arc? Write to us via email at spliteattack2021 at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at Podcast. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Podcast, or just interact with us wherever you find us on social media. You know where to find us at this point. If you're a longtime listener or even a new fan, um, just look for the very vibrant, retro-looking graphics of like dinosaurs having fun. <laughs> That's where we are. Again, thank you wholeheartedly, Craig, for uh, joining us today. It was truly a joy, a pleasure, and an honor to have you on the show. Uh, of Good course, greeting. you know you're you're currently just taking time off to explore and travel. But uh, if you ever have anything to plug, let us know, and we'll throw it on the show for you. Absolutely. Until then, Alex, will you scrape the slime off the wall for us, please? I've got to grab a biplane and take a trip with Arnold back to Hillwood for Parents Day weekend, uh, the relay race that's happening there. I have a feeling I'm going to go for the gold again this year.
1: Aye, co-captain. And make sure you settle all your business with the green-eyed people first, otherwise they may call you back here unexpectedly.
2: Oh, yes, they, they know how the story goes. Every time Eduardo shows up, you know we got to leave. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now that we resolve their sleeping sickness, uh, I think we'll be able to live a happy, normal life finally.
1: Bon voyage and Godspeed, dear Gakoid.
2: Spl- thank you very much, Alex. And uh, splat <laughs> you later. And also to Craig and all Harold hey fans. Truly, thank you for keeping these dreams and memories alive in our hearts today, our heart of gold.